0: How did the involvement with David Bowie come about? Well, he sort of seems to be in New York, right? I love it, you know, all the rockers come and say, hey, what's happening, you know? Uh I think people will remember David Bowie for his fearlessness.
1: David Bowie walks by me. And like you... I love those records. There's not one thing wrong with those records.
0: The you- a week later, I get an email from David Barry. I remember it, it was his his, his birthday was eighth of January, and on his I think it was fifty seventh birthday, um, I sent him an email: "Happy birthday!" I thought, fifty seven. Isn't it about time you got a proper job? <laughs> Ricky Gervais, comedian, forty two. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he sent back: "I've got a proper job." David Barry, rock star. 57.
2: today we're joined by the smoking cobras lead singer guitar dean simone drums kevin mcshane bass vocals tony russell lead guitar vocals ed beardsley welcome gentlemen and welcome thank you, of course you know uh what is it this is yeah Aha uh-huh with lisa phil and aaron
3: <laughs> it's our mm-hmm. annual check-in with the code yep. here. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Right, it's your <laughs> good to be here, guys.
4: Yes. Good to have
3: you. Yeah. Okay. Um
2: Now we we are up to date on uh, Dean and his series winning time, which unfortunately has been announced as canceled. Canceled.
4: Uh No, yeah. maybe
2: it, it's I mean, it's HBO so we haven't had a chance to actually watch it ourselves yeah um
3: as let let, let me let me let me clarify i did start to watch it yeah like last week i was like i can get this series in before the cobras come on and so i can talk about it And i watched about three or four episodes and it was it was good but it was in that like docu-series style of drama you know storytelling Mm -hmm. that sometimes works in this instance it was a little bit you know there's some great actors like john c Mm Riley, adrian brody Mm-hmm. Um, the guys who played uh, Dean Simone, of course. He's getting so. in line now. Pat Riley. Oh, you got he
0: oh, You see Kareem out there
2: last night? Check out.
4: Unamerican. Bolshevik. Jerry Buss, you sir, are an unfit owner, a disgrace to sports, and you deserve everything you got coming to you.
0: shit
3: it's not shit it's jim uh, murray so i wound up fast forwarding i found out i cheated i found out what dean's uh, scene was so i fast forwarded to that episode and saw uh you know at least one of his scenes
5: mm.
4: um, yeah there was just one that was my intro okay <laughs> that oh, it. It sucks <laughs> yeah true. Yeah. uh, and then my agent just posted a few days ago you know it sucks being an agent my uh my, you know dean got a recurring role on this show and then it got canceled but okay i'm in dumb money too i'm playing a congressman in that but i haven't seen it so i don't know how much of it i'm still in it was a nice little scene with uh, me grilling paul dano but Is that a uh,
1: show or a movie It's a
4: movie it's a movie, okay. it's a movie about the um about the game stop um
3: oh okay the oh,
4: game <gasps>
2: yeah I w- we're gonna go see that
3: i want to see that so,
4: let me know yeah. in for a <laughs> i'm supposed <laughs> okay to- I'm credited, yeah, and I did Yeah,
2: yeah.
4: So it we'll see. That's that's yeah. the new one in the docket. But yeah, do um, yeah, you
2: play in that?
4: I play a congressman, a fictional, uh, fictitious congressman who's uh, basically um, uh, talking, grilling Paul Dano. It's it, because at it, it, those times, those hearings were done remotely because of COVID. So
0: mm-hmm. it's a
4: remote scene, and I really don't know how it came out. I mean, we'll, we'll see. It's getting getting pretty good reviews and it's the same director who did uh i Tanya. so that was that was pretty celebrated it's cool. a great cast i mean seth rogan and um uh, vincent d'onofre and and uh pete davidson i mean there's a ton of people and Dano is fantastic so we'll see hopefully mm-hmm. you know you never know that's the fun of hollywood yeah. that's what's good about being in a band you never get yeah uh, <laughs> you're never on the editing room floor <laughs> so.
2: if it wasn't for this podcast we'd be at dumb money right now
0: <laughs> there
4: you go we'll so we'll and i'm not in it just say hey what's up get dean in this let's go let's get the edits yeah right
2: yeah. re-edit the movie you know the directorial uh release
4: that's right the director's the, cut director's cut exactly Right. Well, thank you for having us to do uh Scary Monsters Super Creeps. God, it is just you guys, this is my second time on and in, in, in doing the uh doing the um record reviews. And the last one was the Plastic Ono band, which is my number one favorite record. And this and Ziggy Stardust are probably one and two for me. So um I'm really glad to, to be on it. And I know the guys are too, and we appreciate you guys having us.
3: Yeah. Sure. Hey, rock, uh, did everybody Thanks get a chance? <laughs> Mm -hmm. Is everybody familiar with the album or
5: everybody
2: got to at least listen to to, it once?
3: Yeah.
5: I listened to it some. Yeah. Yeah. Of course.
6: Right. right. (laughs) I grew up with it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Imagine. Imagine so. I mean, that's like for me, I was really into music when I was a kid. And then something happened when I got married and music just got beep, it was kind of put on the back burner and it, i'm not blaming it. and you became obsessed <laughs> it became a geek, yeah but i've so there's so many like classic mm-hmm. albums that i know you know the hits and things from like i know fashion and i know ashes the ashes from this but um the remainder mm-hmm. of the album i was not that familiar with
2: i'll so. tell you as a kid philip had a commodore 64 as a kid, teen. And uh, the next computer he owned was the one we bought in 1994, brand new, uh, as our uh, a wedding present, I guess. And um, three weeks after we bought the computer, on time, mind <laughs> you, I come home and Philip says, don't, don't stop, don't stop. And I'm like, I look around and the computer is completely disassembled.
4: What, yeah,
2: <laughs> he took it apart,
0: right? This is
4: simple. so put it back. I together.
2: married a medical records temp and I scored an it professional.
0: <laughs>
4: there you go, there you that's all Ed's heart. There, that's Ed's workshop back there, man. It's always putting things together and taking them apart, right? Ed, yeah.
5: What was the deal with those cords you were talking about at the last gig?
4: Oh, we'll we'll talk oh. off the air about that, but okay. <laughs> I don't want to the way but but they're they're on the way back to me so okay. yeah yeah yeah
3: yeah well are you okay so when we do these we generally do a very brief kind of rundown of Bowie uh a little biography of Bowie from the top but we try not to consume too much time but I'll start it off and then if you guys have some things to add or some fun facts or something like that, that you want to, uh, you know, add, and you can just jump in this um, and I'll try to give you an opportunity to, but um, born January 8th, 1947 in Brixton, England. I guess one, one of the things, the main things of his uh, youth was uh, a consciousness of schizophrenia or mental illness in his family. And a lot, it was exacerbated by the fact that his family kind of lived through the, the blitz, you know, the German blitz, and uh during world war ii and his fu- his brother actually did develop uh or had schizophrenia and you know that sort of was always ever present on his mind with his songwriting and even his music it's got a, a consciousness of that it seems um saxophone was bowie's first instrument um Here's a fun fact. When he was a child, he got loose at, a, at an event and actually ran up to the queen. And the queen um, you know, reached down and pat him on the head or something like that. And a picture was taken by the Yorkshire newspaper that was uh, never really uncovered since then. You can't like go online and find it. But I'd love to ever see ever, that. Man. Yeah. If you ever mm-hmm. run across something like that, then... You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Let's see. Uh, you know, the he went through different queen. phases of his career. We're definitely, definitely in the uh, maybe the third wave of his career. First, he had the Ziggy Stardust era where, you know, uh, Ziggy Stardust and Spiders from Mars. Then he kind of moved along to the Thin um, White Duke era, which was kind of noted by three albums that he did. Is
1: this the Berlin Trilogy? Yeah, early the, early the, early, yeah. yeah low lodger and
4: station to station no station. La- yeah station to station low and lodger
3: yeah sounds right yeah right and that era he was uh that was kind of a controversial era era because the character itself was uh seemed to dally with uh fascism and and uh dark, you know darker themes and he was like throughout bowie's career he did uh explore darker themes like he was a uh, uh curious with Aleister crowley and that type of thing and um Nazi mm-hmm. uh, symbolism um and wasn't he like big, strung
1: out on heroin during the Berlin trilogy too I believe
3: yeah. probably and, so
7: and too. yeah he right. was and he was hanging out with Brian Eno exactly
4: <laughs> and, and Lou and Lou Reed and Iggy Pop
7: <laughs> yeah
3: enough said about the drugs and the alcohol yeah. right there man for sure I think didn't him and Iggy pop didn't they kind of uh, get clean together at, at some point?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, supposedly that probably happened. around the time of Scary Monsters, right? right. <laughs>
4: that was coming right right off of that same producers, um, some of the same people, except that Adrian B- uh, Ballou was on those, and he was supposed to be on Scary Monsters, but he ended up they just he was paid to be on Scary Monsters, and then he just ended up not being on it. They just went ahead and recorded it without him.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, So Bowie, he was kind of caught up in the L.A. Uh, machinery, right? I mean, he, he felt like he needed to get away from Los Angeles in order to kind of shake his habit. And mm-hmm. I believe he may have went to Jamaica or something for a while. And, mm-hmm. and then uh, eventually... Yeah, let's
2: go to Jamaica to avoid drugs.
3: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point. That's a very good point. Maybe he went back to England. I don't know.
4: All the flights to Amsterdam were booked. So Jamaica was the. Uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Well, I mean, if you're on everything else, just going to the pot capital of the world is probably practically detox.
3: Right. That's right. true. Right. That's true, Lisa.
2: Yeah. yeah
3: that, that would probably be a uh, step down for sure. You know, that'd probably help in some extent, but um, you know, there's, a, there's other things, you know, there, there were, Figures in his life like uh, Coco, which is his personal assistant, that seemed to cause some friction between him and his wife Angela, and eventually their marriage kind of dissolved. And there, you know, there, there are all kinds of anecdotes in his life, but we're kind of down to the point, I guess. Where we're, they went to uh, the power station in New York in the spring of 1980 and recorded "Scary Monsters, Super Creeps," and. The players on the album were Bowie on vocals, Carlos Alomar, lead rhythm guitar, um, Mm -hmm. Dennis Davis, George Murray, Chuck Hammer on synthesizers. I feel like he played a really important role. Aaron mentioned Robert Fripp, um, Roy uh, Baton, Baton or bitten i'm not sure uh on Boy, piano bitten, the guy from yeah, the e street band right
4: he's from the e street band yeah exactly because they were like in the same studio and he had worked with bowie uh earlier but Fripp is really the main guitar influence on this hammer was like a, a synth guitar guy that got started playing with lou reed but Fripp was really Fripp is really the fingerprint
1: he, he shreds on this album He does. On every album.
4: On every album, yeah. (laughs) He's a monster. Uh, The other guys are session guys, and and they've been with Bowie uh, before. Um, But uh, yeah, Fripp is, he's all over this.
3: Right. We should say Pete Townsend makes a cameo on Because You're Young. Mm -hmm. Do you hear that
4: story? Well, we can talk about it when we talk about Because You're Young, but I guess he showed up cranky and it's like, why the fuck am I here? <laughs> and they were like, <laughs> they were like uh, well, we wanted you to be on it. And he was like really annoyed about being there. And I think he's on it, but buried way in the back of it, man. So yeah. imagine Pete Townsend being grumpy. It's hard right, to believe. Right, right.
3: That never happens. <laughs> you know, the number of uh, destroyed guitars in his wake are just like, you know, right. enough to fill a room. I'll tax yeah. write yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Tax rattles. Um Okay, Tony Visconti was on acoustic guitar. Was he the producer? He was the producer. Yeah,
6: he was the co-producer. Yeah, co-producer. co-producer
3: and produced a
4: lot. Of, produced a lot of stuff all the way up to um, to uh, Black Star. Um, he, he he's kind of been his right hand man and he was really there in that whole scene with uh you know also with Mark Bolin and he worked with Morrissey he's worked with so many people like Visconti was a, started out as a bass player right Tony and then uh he, um, i don't
6: he know did he did yeah. he did i don't know his background I, yeah no, he was
4: he was a bassist in that kind of okay. that that glam scene he's american but he sort of made his his bones over in england a new
6: yeah. york guy or something he was like a new york
4: yeah he was from new york He kind of like was one of those people like hendrix who went to went to london oh. and kind of made, made his way there i know way too much about this stuff
0: <laughs> I,
4: still, <laughs> I have no here, <laughs> I know all about them i got their baseball cards <laughs> uh.
3: so um i don't want to put anybody on the spot but i think a good way to kind of you know Uh, give every individual of our panel here their, their limelight is to let them open the discussion usually we go track by track you know first track will be it's no game Maybe, Tony, maybe you could uh, give us some impressions of that.
6: That's the first track on the album. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, I think the first time I heard Scary Monsters, because that album came out when I was about eight years old. And uh, I heard it through this friend of mine, Randy, and I really like the rhythm section a lot. So I think I was maybe about 14. So the rhythm section on the whole album is, they're called DAM, the acronym, Davis uh alomar and george murray the bassist who's actually one of my favorite bassists and had a big influence in, on me and how I, my approach mm-hmm. so i did want to mention those guys they played on about six albums and um, that was the last album they played on alomar went on to do um let's dance and all that stuff okay but, yeah they're really more
4: tracks it. than any, any other musician um, he he's played more yeah. than anybody yeah, but
6: They're an amazing, uh, amazing rhythm section. And uh, yeah, I really like them a lot. And, and and like not enough is said about George Murray. I think he works for a school now in San Diego or something. Really? Yeah, I was reading about him, but he was a huge influence. Um, and I really, I really, I didn't even knew what the guy looked like, actually, because back then there was no internet and they didn't have pictures of him on the album. But I saw like stuff of him when he was on um, Saturday Night Live. What's he look and, like? he's like a real tall uh, black gentleman and he's a um, af- African-American guy. And I, I don't know if Davis is from the States, but I know anyhow, he's like a tall, skinny guy and he's just an awesome player. And he's I really like this time.
4: Too. I know mean, he was yeah. like, he was definitely getting like the, you know, a lot of uh went out of his way, I think to make sure that he was, getting these black rhythm sections that were so yeah. hot
6: New are yeah talk. really hot sick they're really really good and the, the cool thing is like they play rock with a very that's what i liked about it because it was like a rock with a little bit of a funk and r&b flair and that's kind of the stuff that i like so i was like mm-hmm. wow that's pretty cool right. anyhow that first track sorry for that i just wanted to mention the rhythm section no but, no uh,
2: that's yeah. great yeah.
6: but the first track i um i just remember i really I thought the track was so unique, and then also the Japanese woman at the end, like speaking at the track. I remember at first I was like, "What's?" And at first I thought it was Yoko Ono. Yeah. Nishi,
0: Nishi Rota.
6: Yeah, right. So yeah, actress, right? But yeah, it's an interesting yeah. way yeah, to open up. Uh, she
4: was in *The King and I*. Oh, yeah, was... Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. they they brought her down. She was she was going out with somebody in the band. Okay. And it was a late add-on.
6: But I like the way that open the album, and I know that it was Bowie's because he did that Berlin trilogy, which wasn't that successful commercially. But Bowie really didn't care about that stuff. But then obviously you got to pay the bills at some point, so he said, "I want to do like a commercial album again," and that's his first stab at a commercial album. But like he never lost the the his art side as an artist. So he, mm-hmm. it's funny, it's interesting. It's like a transition album, and it's also the album before Let's Dance, which was a huge commercial hit. All um, right. But it's kind of interesting, so I like the way he opened the album. Like he still wanted to keep that artistic flair to it, and um, so instead, so, like he could have opened with one of the tracks that was a bigger. Right. Uh, that's classic Bowie, just like when he came out with Tin Machine in the late '80s too, with the Soupy Sales sons.
4: Hunt, Hunt Sales. And, uh, yeah, like the same sales thing. brother.
6: Yeah, he went on the Arsenio Hall, and like they, everybody thought he played, you know, like the biggest hit, and he played like some random hit, which was yeah. pretty
1: cool.
3: Not yeah. a hit
6: either yeah so that's a
3: great track well Aaron, didn't you uh didn't your son that you were going to refer mm. to him or, or
1: yeah i ended up going to google translate he was busy uh, okay <laughs> oh your son speaks japanese
3: it's a yeah. loose
4: interpretation yeah. of the lyrics right? yeah right, right on right man
1: yeah mm-hmm. it's like um, silhouettes and shadows are revolutions and the stairs of heaven's freedom are broken inside locked out of reality and i don't know what's going on it's like you know Kind oh, and she's right saying there. saying that but... in Japanese?
6: Yeah. yeah. that's, oh, that's what interesting. interesting.
1: Where are the lessons? The people's fingers are covered with traces of dictatorship hidden in the cars. It's sad. Reagan.
0: Wow. It's Naaman's sad.
1: record movie. I think that means documentary. The Lovers Who Made a Target. Yeah. Huh. If if you throw a doctor on the road, it will shatter into pieces. It kept saying doctor and not rock.
0: It's rock. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: odd. Maybe she Maybe she misunderstood. Maybe she thought he was saying doc. Yeah. <laughs> if you put the the lid on the function you will get huge wealth if you hit the head of an oro it will stir up the newspaper
4: (laughs) Uh (laughs) put a bullet in my brain and it makes all the papers papers, yeah (laughs) yeah you know i do i did read that they um when by the way there's a great book on this album that just came out called silhouettes and shadows the um uh untold history of david bowie's scary monsters and it's it's both i i heard the guy interviewed it's it's really interesting but he was talking about that and apparently they said to her we want you to sound like a man so they said we want you to talk with with the um like you're a you're a the way they put it was like an aggressive suit man you Mm -hmm. know and and that was her interpretation of sort of you know you yeah. know?
1: The, the pronoun she used—if you hit the head of an oro—that's like a masculine. Oh, pronoun! Oh, okay. yeah, I interesting.
4: Okay, that's that.
3: I'd heard something. Yeah, and then Bowie's, by contrast, the falsetto that he uses in his song—you know, it's a, yeah. So oh it's wow! Like they were version. ahead of the game, right? <laughs>
0: you know, <laughs> it's a, it's
4: a cool song, man. I yeah. mean, it's really—it's you know—it's it's it's about revolution and the futility of revolution and and and. Don't forget, when Bowie made this, he had just gotten over a divorce. He just freshly got divorced, got um, custody of Duncan, and he was starting rehearsals for The Elephant Man. Um, so he,
1: it was- a, I forgot about The Elephant Man, yeah.
4: Yeah, he was like, this was a massive change in his life. And he was going through a lot of personal upheaval too. But I mean, I think It's No Game It's like, that. that opening track is just, It's it's great choice. I agree with Tony. He could have he could have picked maybe one of the popular songs. Started with "Ashes to Ashes," which I love. But I mean, he kind of. But it's cool. He you know he started it with that and he ended it with that. So it was,
2: was yeah, Yeah. Um, like a bookmark. It it seems like it was
3: to me. It's the the lyrics at least were kind of a rejection of the times that uh, like the album in context of like the Reagan Iran hostage situation you know reagan kind of ran on morals to an extent and bowie sees a lot of fascism in society in the way that uh you know the the, the, mecha- the, po- the politics i guess um you know he even says in this to be insulted by these fascists uh draw the blinds in yesterday, and yesterday it all seems so much scarier um yeah um you know, just uh, the fear of refugees kind of the hysteria. I felt like the the, the uh, Japanese part of it was sort of that was sort of the insinuation, maybe mm-hmm. uh, the mm-hmm. jingoism, I guess we keep reusing mm-hmm. that word. But but, uh, yeah, I thought it was really, you know, profound and that it had mm-hmm. uh, its tentacles in the time. But, yeah, yeah. it sounds very modern. It still, it still does. Yeah, it
2: comes across. So it, it definitely holds up.
3: Dean,
1: me, and Phil all ranked the songs one to ten. I don't know if uh, Kevin, Ed, and Tony did the rankings. It doesn't much matter. But uh, Phil ranked this rank. song number two, and <laughs> Dean and I both ranked at number three. Part one of it's no game. Uh, I guess and I, I think don't it's
2: really. Two on mine. What'd you
7: say, Kevin? I said I don't rank music. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Not, everybody because, like, that. That we, not everybody we've had that.
1: guests who who refused to rank before too. Well, and the it's, problem it's is just like a little. the, it's, it's the American have to keep score kind of thing we got uh, yeah. going on. But
7: I can find something good in everything that I. You yeah. Know, live. Oh yeah. And, I uh, get. It. I get it. This
1: was this was one of the <laughs> toughest albums to rank because the everything's just so close. I could have flipped, you know about eight of these songs around and in fact did in the course of it
0: no
5: that's that's... totally david bowie you can really hear it throughout the whole yeah
4: right i agree except for the 10th my least favorite track is a tom verlaine track and i never knew that um, I just never, it was, I love every song on the album, but I have to say, I don't like Kingdom Come and that was dead last for me. And I didn't like the writing on it. We both
1: had, we both had that dead last, I think. No, yeah. I had Kingdom was, Come was Kingdom Come 9 because you're young 10 was mine.
4: That's funny Be- because you're young. I really like that. That was up there for me. I think, uh, because you're young was like around five or in around that area. Yeah. Five for me. Yeah, I, I really
5: liked uh, Teenage Wildlife as well. Yeah.
4: I agree, Ed. That, I, I thought that was a great song. I, I
1: told Phil I had oh. that in the running for my number one, and it ended up number five, just telling you how close and flip floppy <laughs> I was on this. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Check that when you, yeah, that when you uh, submitted, you know, when I saw your rankings, I was like, hmm, I thought he was going to have that number one. But uh-huh. I had that well, as four. Definitely let's, let's like really and, close yeah. to heroes, man.
1: One more thing on um, It's No Game is the screaming, Um, especially since the last album we did was Plastic Ono Band with Dean. Um, There's there's a lot of screaming and kind of scream therapy and a song even called Scream Like a Baby. So this is this is really in that same vein.
4: Yeah, Janoff, right? Um, The
1: um, scream therapist guy.
4: I've come to know his son. Uh, who's actually been to some of our shows um his his girlfriend and i are, are are old friends and and uh so i've gotten to meet uh he's he's a musician himself and uh yeah that guy that guy had influences on a lot of people man
1: did you scream with him i did <laughs> not <man.
4: Huh>? <laughs> let's <laughs> scream together
3: <man>. <laughs>
4: <We only screamed laughs> let's
3: get together and scream
4: it's just i was at a gig so you know we have to scream at gigs a lot of yeah, times
3: it's true well, yeah. Lennon and Bowie were friends, right? I mean, they were they're pretty good friends. Yeah. So I'm sure they streamed together occasionally. Well, I think
4: it's isn't uh Bowie, I think Lennon only wrote songs with uh other than McCartney. There was only two other people he ever collaborated with. One was Harry Nielsen and the other one was Bowie on Fame. Fame. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So Bowie had a song called Fame, a song called Fashion, and a song called Fashion and Fame, if I'm not mistaken.
4: Oh, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't that's funny man well we know he he definitely cared for that things freeze huh yeah.
0: <laughs>
4: but i i do think to lisa's point i i do think that it's no game is, is relevant today as it was back then i you know to be insulted by by these fascists is so degrading yeah, yeah it's still got
5: of these songs
2: it's like uh trump and reagan they could be the bookends of this
5: yeah hopefully
2: end is the operative word <laughs>
1: yeah, well yeah, but number two has an extra version. verse right about smearing shit on the walls yeah
4: what we're we all put camel shit on the walls yeah,
0: yeah.
4: <laughs> you know talking about uh, child labor you know oh god <laughs> that's what they're you know he said yeah you know? so i mean um i think the whole song i think the whole album has an undertone uh of fascism is throughout mm-hmm. the record right.
1: and this one come as opposed again, to the yeah. berlin trilogy he he wrote the lyrics ahead of time i think berlin trilogy just kind of almost improvised them
7: right yeah i think well, that whole trilogy was improvised i mean that was the basis yeah. of doing the whole three mm-hmm. albums actually
6: and low like a big part of the lowest is, in, is instrumental
7: mm-hmm. i actually uh read an uh an interview with adrian blue about the doing the Berlin Trilogy and he said that Brian Eno and David Bowie were like in another room with a TV camera on the the different musicians making the record and then they wouldn't let them hear anything or even tell them the guys figuring out how to play the song in the middle of it and they just took little bits and pieces of that that they liked and that's what became those records.
5: Really? Uh-huh. That's,
3: yeah. That's
7: yeah, it yeah, it was interesting. It was
5: I've heard that being done
3: before. Yeah. yeah. Well that's kinda of like the Beatles sing in, in the get back uh doc, you know. we they, you can see the evolution of get back, you know, the way they get, I know.
4: That was amazing. Yeah, that was
1: see you next time. Bowie poached uh Baloo from Frank Zappa. I think yeah. at the at the meeting where they where he was hiring him away, Zappa turned up at the restaurant at the end of the day and huh. said oh this is going on huh i see I a just, huge zappa guy.
6: yeah i just watched yeah, the interview excellent. with uh steve vai and he said the closest he ever had to a mental breakdown was when he was playing for frank zappa mm-hmm.
3: yeah. yeah i believe it yeah. i believe it. the intensity
1: of it yeah.
6: right yeah, we did a zappa, zappa
3: album we did the steve vai album
1: we did a vi right? album too oh well, which we one is good yeah, yeah
3: we were talking about
1: the zappa album was one size fits all and the vi album was was it sex oh, and religion yeah. solo, his first solo album yeah oh, yeah the
3: the first, first one,
2: one with lyrics we was talking about
3: yeah. frank told him that uh and if he couldn't hit a certain chord there's a yeah. difficult chord he might as well uh go play for linda, linda ronstadt or, yeah I, know, I heard he, that quote
1: yeah <laughs> wouldn't that make him one of the eagles <laughs>
3: I was going to say, but
4: Wadi Watel ended up at that gig, and he. Had yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: That's a
0: yeah. good gig. Well,
3: okay, so let's move on to the next track here. Um, <laughs> so we'll try to move move it along a little bit. Up the hill backwards. It's got- So,
5: uh, Ed, what, what's your impressions of that one? Well, um, it's a, a shorter song. Um, interesting guitar lead at the <laughs> end. Uh, it's yeah. uh, kind of dissonant sounding, you know, you can't quite get it to fit in there. It's kind of the vein of, of David Bowie. Anyway, he's a little less organized and a little more from the heart and, uh, this song is is it's decent. I mean, it, it's got a political um, tone to it. You know, wh- whenever he talks about freedom, you know, and uh, uh, the possibilities uh, it seems to offer. And, uh, you know, that that type of thing. I think he's uh, um, he's got it here. It's it's a good tune. Yeah,
1: yeah. I like the I'm OK. You're so so. <laughs>
0: yeah,
4: it's fine, man. Yeah, I agree. I agree with Ed said, and, and musically, it starts out in seven four time, which is generally like Middle Eastern Greek type of music. So um, it's interesting into what Ed was saying. Another frip, um, another great frip signature on that song. You know, yeah. um, it's, just, it's just so
1: it's good. Something I wanted to mention about the outro of uh, of the first song too. Um, was uh, at the end. I think it probably inspired Guns N' Roses and Primus both. At the end of "It's No Game," that what part, Aaron? Shut up! Yeah. Well, the "Shut Up" is uh, Los Bastardos on Primus. Shut right. up, you bastards! Oh, and yeah. and, I
0: swear.
1: and um, the the actual melody that that Fripp's playing, it sounds like Slash took that and turned it into "Sweet Child of Mine." Dude, oh my just...
0: God,
3: dude, you're right. Oh yeah, that's it's it's a really trip, similar yeah. to that. Uh, Bye. Wow.
2: I, I wanna say on Up the Hill Backward, initially I heard Wham.
3: Wow. Yeah, that
6: beat is like an interesting yeah. throughout the song. Yeah.
2: And then it kind of yeah. like flows into hippie land.
3: Yeah. yeah, that one grew on me. I by the fourth listen or so. Yeah. That one grew that, that went up in my estimation, in my mm-hmm. rankings, up the hill backwards.
2: I feel like wham might have sampled that beginning.
3: They may have. <laughs> Yeah, it's a they, very danceable they, group. They could have, and you know, to the point
2: although oh, they were around the same time, weren't they?
4: Oh, uh, yeah.
6: Boy, well, do I later. feel
2: old. This was <laughs> eighty.
4: Um Wham really started kicking in around, I guess what, eighty two? Mid eighty
6: two eighty yeah. two. Yeah. Well there yeah. George Michael's was doing a of Yeah, but eighty two yeah. this but by mid eighties.
0: Okay.
4: Well, you know, the um the no, line. Yeah, and, and, and the line that Ed was talking about about um, the possibility of freedom, uh, you know, that is like from um, that's like Dada philosophy. Like there was a there was a book that was written called like art and in, in something about art, anti art, art and anti art. But um, anyway, he was Dada really-
2: movement. Yeah.
4: Yeah, he was into that, and that that's talking a, a lot about that. I think it's a great track. I—I I, The thing I dug about it the most was the way that the rhythm changed like that. I always thought it was pretty cool, and again, I can't say enough how much I love Robert Fripp's contribution to it. I just think the record is as much a Fripp record as it is a Bowie record. It's another just great track by the guy, man. Yeah. He's
3: fantastic. It doesn't surprise me that um, Bowie liked uh... –
1: pixies you're talking about the pixies
0: right
3: the Pixies. it doesn't surprise me that bowie loves the pixies because he's on he's quoted he loves the pixies and i can hear it in songs like this one where you know it's like very textured very i don't want to say noisy but there's a lot of exotic noise to it and then all of a sudden a melody kind of surfaces out of it and then it you know that it's it's sophisticated musically you know and oh, the, pixies the pixies are very awesome. much like
4: boston's, that, yeah. boston's finest man here comes your man. That, that's like right. they're great, man. Pixies are awesome.
0: But,
4: I'm not sure what the with the year when 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 they really kicked in. They're kind of they like really started later
1: getting, '80s 80s, later '80s '80s yeah. So I mean, this,
4: Yeah, this is sort of pre pre that, but he's he yeah, but, but yeah, when they
1: came out, he was like their their biggest yeah, supporter.
3: Sure. Yeah, he was an advocate, definitely. They're
4: great, and They're 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 a great band for sure. But uh, that's a good, that's a great second track, and and uh, again to Tony's point, he started off both those two tracks that it started off with. Neither one of them really were in the pantheon of like what could have been the hits on the record. So I mean, it was sort of interesting. Then when you get to actually the title track, the third one, I don't know what what did you guys think of that?
0: Super Creeps Keeps me running By this Scary Monsters Super Creeps Keeps me running By this game To run
3: Moving on to the third track. um, uh, Fear. Fear always comes up in Bowie's music. I I think of like, um, I'm afraid of Americans, you know. uh, um, uh, Space oddity has elements of fear in it. There's always, that's that's kind of what I think. Plenty of fear
1: of the aliens in Ziggy Stardust.
3: Right. (laughs) That's kind of calls back to what I was talking about. Um, where mental health seems to be something that's ever-present on his mind, you know. Of his I, feel like-
1: I, I love the bass and Ashes to Ashes, though.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can't yeah, go yeah. wrong with that.
4: <laughs> that, but well, I know we'll get to that one, but the and the Roy Baton, uh, Bitten uh, piano part, really interesting how they came to that, too. But I know we're, with, with Scary Monsters, one thing that I wanted to say about it is, there's some really cool production things that exist on it, like the hi hat keeps panning left to right, um, and it sounds like he may even have recorded a second hi hat. Not, I don't. At first, I thought it was on the ride, but I don't think it is, and it almost makes it sound like a steam engine where it's going. Tss, tss.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean,
4: there's so many really super cool subtle things on it, and Fripp is amazing in it, and I mean. To me, to write a song like that about like, it's basically like we've all dated or hopefully not married uh, that person, uh, but we've all been involved with somebody like that and uh, involved in a relationship like that. And to me, the music completely supports the emotional aspect of what he's talking about with the lyrics. I love this song. I love that. Yeah. I ranked
1: ranked Scary Monsters number one. Dean ranked at number two. Phil ranked at number three. (laughs)
4: Yeah, I rank it number two. You rank it two, yeah. Ed? Yeah. What do you think of the guitar stuff on it, man?
5: Uh, it was good. Um, but that that bass, that uh, that thumping bass, mm-hmm. real staccato. Yeah. Uh, all the way through, it was really uh, interesting. You liked it? it? Yeah.
4: I
1: like yeah. the Cockney accent too.
5: <laughs> <laughs> the overdone Cockney
4: accent. It was just yeah, hilarious. exactly. Man, she yeah. began it wild. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious, man. Well, that's
6: one
2: but, thing about bowie about- he was about extremes
6: oh yeah, yeah. but Bowie. the thing about bowie too is like one thing i noticed about a lot of his music is he always takes a lot of risks and i will say that if you listen to that track track scary monsters which i love it's probably my first or second favorite track on the album but you'll notice that like a lot of music that comes after that is that's really kind of starts that sort of new wave like ed Ed mentioned that kind of staccato thumping bass Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you'll hear that a lot of new wave. If you go like into blondie and duran duran and all these kind of bands that come out of that you'll notice that bowie will he'll do it first because he just takes a stab at a lot of things you know he's like hey i'll try this i'll do this this and i think he just does it for his because he wants for the art the artistry of it he just enjoys it But a lot of people will pick up on things. Or even if you listen to the album Let's Dance, like music from that point on, they use that same kind of feel. A lot of bands borrow from it. Um, He's a trend He is. He's definitely like with the new wave movement and Scary Monsters, you can hear a lot, especially a lot of the production too. Uh, Production of tones as well. Like certain bass tones or guitar tones or, or synth sounds a lot the of people drum yeah the drum, drum tones too like he first tended
2: first. to reinvent himself
6: always a always
2: lot. Yeah. yeah
3: always yeah it's uh ma-
2: ma- similar to madonna mm-hmm.
3: it's amazing oh, yeah, the yeah. number of people this is the number of artists sure that, cite him, that from him that cite him as an inspiration because it's like you, no. you wouldn't oh really you wouldn't think maybe that this part but it's like it's so diverse that the number mm-hmm. of people that he's affected it's for so sure big <laughs> it's a great track one of my favorite podcast words is ubiquitous the name of this show was almost if it's not ubiquitous it's apocryphal but i didn't didn't. that would have been a mouth the the average
6: american's not going to get
3: that
1: (laughs) (laughs) when
0: i
2: looked
1: into her eyes they were blue nobody
0: nobody
2: we we searched ubiquitous and i think it was taken
1: oh really
6: yeah
2: yeah yeah that's why we ended up with uh yeah uh huh, because I have a tendency to say yeah uh-huh.
3: That's how she said I do when we got married.
2: Yeah.
3: yeah, yeah. Uh-huh.
2: Instead <laughs> of I do, man? I said yeah uh-huh. uh-huh. Uh, uh,
3: oh, we almost
2: point. lost it laughing at the altar.
3: Well, it was pretty freaking cute, you yeah. know, because it was like just out of nowhere. But
2: mm-hmm.
3: so spontaneous. But um, all right, Kevin. So we've we've touched on ashes to ashes a little bit already. What-
0: Say it's true. They got a message from the action man. I hope you're happy. I've
3: loved, all love, needed love. So the details spun away. What were your impressions of mm-hmm.
7: that song? Oh, it's the song and the album Everybody Knows. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. That's. Um,
1: it's the one with the cool video.
7: on the song, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, um, I think that that song actually represents all of the changes that were going on in Bowie's life at that time. I think that's kind of his explanation to everybody about all of the, uh, you know, getting over the drug abuse and. And becoming an adult, I think, even, you know, and the changes that happen to a person when, you know, when so much has happened that it makes you change. And I think that's the period in his life that he was in in this, in the way he was making records, in the way that he, um, you know, the way he, like this album was the first album that he had done in years where he actually composed the music for it where the albums before it was all improvisation and about being in the moment at the time. And and this was more, again, written. It was actually the last album that Tony Visconti did with him also um, for, I I think he didn't work for him for like another 20 years after this album. And um, you know, that's, uh, that's what I think. I think socially, you know, he was kind of, explaining what is you know things are changing something's going on you know right and uh mm-hmm. that would be my viewpoint on it yeah okay
1: he's got but, the nod back to um major tom again from space yeah. too. right well,
7: again the just continuity. Past and bringing it to the future and
3: right. you know yeah
1: exactly yeah
3: i thought that uh um it was interesting and in that a lot of songs will uh use uh metaphors for drug abuse and, and stuff like that um whereas this was kind of the may have been reversal where it was more explicit about the drug abuse but when he talks about uh heaven's high and reaching an all-time low i'm not sure he's talking about drug abuse there i think he's talking about ambition or some sort of uh you know major tom's ambition basically to you know mm-hmm. reach in space you know or, there's we know major
1: tom's a junkie he's a junkie
3: yeah. but is he a junkie on heroin or is he a junkie on something else you know the high-end? is he is yeah.
2: he switching where
1: to get his that smack in space that's the question
3: yeah you know, that uh,
4: that's a really good point phil i i mean that you are really right about that man it is like the using there's usually metaphors used for drugs it's using drug as the metaphor but i think a lot of it has to do with I agree with everything you said. And I think a lot of it has to do with addiction, but the addiction to fame, you know, the isolation that it causes being thrust to this level of, of whatever it is that you are, you know, I mean, think about some of the lines in Space Oddity, you know, um, they want to know what yeah. shirts you wear. I mean, it's dealing with, it's dealing with, again, fame out of control, fame that brings you, makes you isolated, your addiction to that, you know, all of those things. Um, And it's curious that the line, my mama said to get things done, you better not mess with Major Tom. So the obvious, again, back to your point, good point is like, you think, oh, he's talking about drugs, but maybe his mother is talking about, you don't need all those things to be happy in life. You know, just, you know, Get married, have a family, be settled. You know, you don't need these lofty aspirations, but we're addicted to those a lot of times as people. And um, that's a really good point that he used that as a metaphor. Um, I love that. It was hard to choose between that and Scary Monsters. It's just such a beautifully crafted song. And I think Visconti did such a good job with that piano part. It's so great. And as you guys were touching on earlier, that bass line, and That bass line is so amazing in that
3: song, man. It, yeah, that slap. So did, yeah. I saw they used a harmonizer or I read they used a grand piano and a harmonizer to create that sound. It sounded, it sounded like water. Yeah, he, it sounds like water. liquid. He yeah. wanted
1: a, just a song where he wanted a Wurlitzer but they couldn't get one in time so they ran the keyboard through like a flange.
3: Right, a
4: flange, I heard. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's trippy sounding.
3: I don't yeah. you guys ever
4: heard that again on another track that sound
3: yeah. i really it's have amazing it. sounds it's no incredible.
1: it is and uh, also <laughs> uh, this song a was, this song was inspired by a danny k song inchworm from the hans christian anderson movie the like the nursery rhyme part at the end really yeah <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> the, <laughs> bowie said that uh, there wouldn't be ashes to ashes without inchworm
3: hmm. <laughs> well Crazy. then there's the the sad clown right the video mm-hmm. was oh, yeah. He's the yeah. clown and the astronaut
1: yeah. and the, uh, insane yeah. asylum resident.
3: Yeah. Piero Pier- is the clown, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah.
3: That's the famous Pierro.
0: clown.
3: Yeah. It kind of yeah. foreshadows black star, you know, the video for that is kind of, you know, a bit. blows your mind That's too. Cool. You know? yeah.
4: It's great, man. Yep. All but right. I heard that that, so that picture of him in, in the, uh, piero uh outfit that's actually not him it is a um it is a mannequin that uh he was hanging out with this uh japanese artist and they actually created this mannequin of him and then they dressed the mannequin in the same outfit that he wore in the video the album um, cover that you mean?
2: explains a lot the album cover.
4: yeah and it's actually a mannequin and then um um this photographer and Then it
1: almost looks like it's hand drawn over too
4: it is and this guy brian duffy was the guy that took the picture and he was super pissed because they drew over his picture of of the situation so um it's it's kind of cool man i love that i it's such a unique looking album cover man it's great yeah Yeah. definitely
3: it's my number one just as a
4: yeah ashes dash is mine too man i thought yeah i thought it would
1: be mine but it wasn't
4: right Aaron
1: yeah I I had it number and it ended up dropping to four hit it for me um scary monsters fashion I thought would be lower but it's just too much of an earworm man I just can't I can't keep a we are the goon squad and we're coming to town (laughs) beep beep out of my head so I had to keep bumping it up
4: it's no game was my
1: number three it's no game number one and then ashes to ashes number four
4: right with fashion how big did fashion get how how, how far did it that go
1: that's the that's the song that my grown daughter knew cuz i was really? i was singing the beat beat part she said well that's mm-hmm. that's from that it's from the movie clueless when she opens up the closet turn hey. to the left
4: oh <laughs> that's right that's why my wife knew it too she wasn't like yeah. Uh-huh. there it goes that, that that answers a lot that's why think?
6: all all young people know stuff just from movies yeah they get yeah. like the right. elvis songs how do you know that oh it's in this movie no
1: it's in lilo and stitch yeah yeah right
3: that's yeah, the right. Note from. It. <laughs> well it uh-huh. seems we've transitioned to uh fashion mm-hmm. <laughs> Lisa loves RuPaul. She went and saw RuPaul's, uh, I thought RuPaul was going to be there, but RuPaul was not there, yeah. all the other. Uh, uh,
2: no, it was uh, uh, not Bob the Drag Queen, but uh, darn, I can't remember. You can the just one make up names and I wouldn't about.
1: know who you're talking about, Lisa. <laughs> that's okay. But Paul right.
2: is a great performer. You don't have to. <laughs>
1: um,
2: like, yeah, I'd oh.
1: have known RuPaul. I wouldn't know RuPaul. any of the other names you're going to say
2: it's probably not has sample fashion um and actually quite a few other david bowie songs um it's, some of them have been used for the lip sync there's runway uh, at the so, end of the show yeah uh where the the person who goes home has to you know they two people lip sync one comes in two people go in they lip sync one comes out kind of that, a deal
4: okay i when i i used to wait tables i used to wait on him He's the nicest guy. He is like yeah. down to earth. Good. I'm glad. Cool um, no attitude at all. Just uh you can tell a lot about people about how they treat waiters.
1: Definitely <laughs> yeah. can. Yeah.
4: And uh I did that gig for God, till I was 50. And uh I waited on a lot of people, which I will not mention uh who or what did what on a uh on a podcast, but Except I, will for mention, RuPaul. I will mention he was a great guy. Yeah, he was one of yeah, the cool.
2: So was room. it was it mostly boy brew you were waiting on or was it Rue?
4: Boy Rue. It was it, he was com- completely like manned out. He was wearing okay. a suit, just, you know, had his glasses on Called with the glasses Yeah. Called with the glasses. Just seemed like your your average, well-dressed businessman, you know, uh, that. Totally cool guy, no attitude at all. Just, yeah. just a, just a good guy.
2: Decent yeah. tipper,
4: great tipper. Great. My, my son yeah.
1: Lars Man. digs Bowie and knows this album, but he's you know too shy to really get on a podcast and talk about it. But he heard he heard a weird sound the other day, and it was I was playing this album, and he came running in. And he said, "Oh, I thought one of the cats was coughing up a hairball, but it's just fashion." <laughs> uh-huh. it's just at the funny. beginning, there's that weird. <sighs>
3: yeah right. Right. oh yeah yeah, yeah. 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 that was originally called jamaica it was called jamaica right Maybe. Was it? The, that know. was the original working title like when he was composing it and so you can, that. you can hear that that would fit but uh it's I, it's funny
6: i use some of those moves on stage in the video
1: uh, <laughs> cool <laughs>
0: <laughs> you do
6: yeah 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 the, i love that video i love the dancing in it and oh so yeah, I yeah. Some, I I use a lot of bowing moves on stage. But you always, talking about where he like goes like this and it makes a face. Oh yeah, and... so many or like when he does the one that comes down with the arm like yeah, that. Yeah. I love Oh yeah,
4: like that. that's right. Yeah. 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 I love yeah some, that's cool.
6: That video is great.
3: Best dancer.
4: it's not about beep, fascism. Beep, beep. I can't believe that though. I mean to me it's so apparently about fascism. I can't beep, even
3: so. I have that in my notes. dean Definitely.
4: Yeah. yeah. We are the goon squad. Turn to the left, right. <laughs> it's like well,
6: even the outfits in the video as well, right? There's a lot of those. Yeah. Right. Uh, the uh, fascists. Well, the jet. Ja- well, of course, during World War II, it was the Germans and the Japanese and the Italians. So right. a lot of that influences, of course, with the Japanese, right?
1: Yeah.
4: So yeah. and then, and then in yeah. the early 80- in the early eighties, we kind of knew where our fascism was coming from. Now it's coming from all directions. So it's just <laughs> yeah.
1: it's, a, it's hard to it's
6: escape. A,
4: World of fascism. <laughs> I think yeah. Bowie
6: just Bowie liked the fashion of fascism, much like yeah. Lemmy did as well. Exactly. Lemmy had all that Nazi memorabilia. on the Hugo boss. boss. Yeah. Right. yeah, Lemmy was not a, a racist whatsoever, but he loved the the fascists. Um at the
3: same time, he was doing young Americans and stuff yeah. like that. it was it was uh, you know, um bluesy and uh, yeah. uh definitely, you know, born from the blues, he was dabbling in this uh nazi fashion just like you said mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. common it was common back then it's really yeah i think most people most of those artists kind of regretted it and everything but well um, kiss did the you know with the lightning bolt um okay. s and then, of
6: course when they went to germany they couldn't use that they had to write that. the only time you see kiss the logo written with a regular s is when they play in germany but ace fraley is the one that That's came up with that paul stanley said he did but it's not true but anyhow, um, Ace Frehley also would have Nazi memorabilia as well, you know. And then, of course, Gene and Paul are both Jews. Right. So that right. was always a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was a, he had a lot, he would spend a lot <laughs> of money on that I wonder why they might
2: so. object to that. Well, you
6: know, John, John, and also, Gene, I mean, Yeah, you know. Gene's mom was a Holocaust survivor as well.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the Nazis they still use those SSSs. <laughs>
3: yeah.
6: Right. It's interesting, the
3: lightning bolt S. Yeah. Do you yeah. think uh, do you think that this is a disco song? I mean, is this like uh, another one bites the dust? It's like the alternative. <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it more? It
5: kind of sounds that way to me. I mean, yeah. uh, I yeah. wrote a little note that said it's got a disco beat,
6: yeah, yeah. and
5: it's fairly yeah. fairly simple. Um, with the lyrics, they repeat a little bit, which is not, you know, what uh, Bowie typically does. It's a little more organized. The song. Um, I feel it's, you know, it's the political uh, uh, tone of it, you know, um, you know, with the there's a brand new dance kind of talking about a different type of government, maybe. Um, But I don't know its name that Mm -hmm. people from bad homes do it uh, or do again and again. It's big and it's bland. Full of tension and fear. They do it over there. But we don't do it here.
3: I love that, man. It's kind yeah. of
5: interesting. You know, turn to the left, turn to the right. And uh, um, we are the Goon Squad, and we're coming to town. So, and you can read a lot into that. You yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's good lyrics. Well, anytime you
3: say, we don't do this or we don't do that, that's like group speak. I mean, that's, that's definitely socialism, fascism,
0: you know. Yeah.
4: It sure seems like it's in that world. And, you know, and I agree uh, with what you guys are saying with that. And it also, to me, it has a lot of Nile Rogers kind of influence. It's not on it. And of course he ends up going to Nile Rogers for, for let's dance and, but I felt like Carlos Alomar was definitely like um channeling a lot of that and i and I almost feel like when they went in the studio that it it was like hey let's let's do some mm. of that let's get that feel
1: um someone mentioned another one bites the dust, which basically rips off uh boom. Le chic yeah. freak out, which is it, not
4: yeah, and it's uh-huh. totally that rhythm you know it's, yeah. it's it's definitely got those elements, man.
3: Great
1: track. Well Yeah, it's my okay. number two. I so didn't think it would be here. going in.
3: Teenage wildlife. I think Dean. I think you said you really liked that one. You were conflicted on the ranking that you gave it. So why don't you? Yeah, and
4: and I think uh, and and so was Aaron, right?
1: Yeah. It it ended up my number five. I I said it was in the running for number one. So
4: yeah, I was kind of I was I was that way too, and it it ended up it ended up being um uh four for me, but um this is one thing I like to say about that. Uh, Again, that's uh, that's Roy Bitten on piano on that. And I think that's the closest thing that he's done uh, to heroes other than heroes. And I love heroes. But, you know, there is something that I think does exist on that song that he's talking about. A lot of people say that he was talking to his earlier self. Um, and sort of giving advice, you know, they, they wait for me in the hallway. and said, well, I don't, I don't know about any hallways, you know? So he's saying, basically, here are these people that are ganging up on these young stars. So basically my 16 year old told me, we were talking about this song and he told me that there is numerous, this is shocking to me, not shocking, but I just can't believe it, that there's numerous websites called countdown to 18 where basically people are like waiting for stars to turn 18 so that they're sexually legal.
1: It's creepy. And
4: it's beyond creepy. And I, I feel like this song is kind of talking about that sort of thing in a way where we exploit our teenagers. You know, man, it's like we consume them and exploit them and put and put them in these spots where it's like, you know, we, we set them up. Like Justin, guys like Justin Bieber or Britney Spears or any, you can just go mm-hmm. all the way through a litany of these people. We set them up to glorify
2: them and then
4: knock them down. That's, well,
2: and then to glorify them sexually too, especially. That's what I'm saying. I mean, yeah,
1: I read that Gary Newman thought that this song was an attack on yeah, him. Yeah, mm-hmm.
4: well, there's talk about that because Newman was supposedly ripping him off pretty strong uh, during that time.
3: Mm-hmm. I, don't know. I heard, I heard a story. That um and i and i couldn't verify it but i heard it on a podcast and i couldn't verify it with the podcaster but um because she couldn't remember but bowie at one point um his son came and he was going to go to a uh a, a, a high school prom or something like that dressed as ziggy stardust or he was going to dress up in glam you know gear and everything and bowie oh, yeah, turned, him, turned him around and said i'm not letting you go out dressed like that you know he's like very you know it's like ironic that bowie would tell his son that he couldn't yep. do this but and and i you know i don't know what the moral of the story is other than uh maybe y'all grow up he yeah bowie at <laughs> later in life he's like you know maybe when i was 16 or 50 whatever i wouldn't have i wouldn't have done some of the things i did you know back then so that's why i thought he wanted of to I get
1: something story. original that's his uh that's his shtick
3: yeah, maybe that was it. Yeah. Maybe it was yeah. copyright infringement. Jones a huge director now. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. Duncan Jones. He's mm-hmm. he's he's a huge director, real really big director. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, you know, I mean, that's a great song. I, I you know, to me, that song is another one of the really masterpieces on, on on the record. And and um, I think we're still doing this and making the same mistakes. And that line, same old thing and brand new drag, comes sweeping into view. Yeah. How, we've just been doing it forever you can go back to the 50s and they're and they're doing that with teenagers and um
1: not just teenagers milton (laughs) burl flip wilson
3: yeah true true for whatever reason it didn't resonate i had that listed last and sometimes it's because maybe four listens isn't enough or whatever i mean Mm -hmm. it's a strong album Uh, but
1: it's got the it's got the robert Fripp to it man it's it's going to be in my top
3: it yeah. did have good guitar That's solo. Okay. I think I held that against it. You know, with all the exotic sounds and everything in this album, I almost held the good guitar playing against against it.
2: That may be the my more, fault, too. The
3: more conventional guitar mm-hmm. playing. Uh, how so? What do you mean, man? Well, I felt like the the, the, the guitar solo, and, and I think this, it seemed like it was so tight. It was so good. It was very good. But it seemed incongruous with, with, with a lot of the rest of the album, you know,
4: that got some, some people felt that way about it. I, I had I had heard that with some of the, I read some of the reviews on the album and stuff, and that did come up. Um, And looking back at it, to me, I, I mean, it, it was a Fripp Bowie album. And I, I just, man, like I said, I, 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 I made it for me. But that song, definitely, I agree, it was one of his best things in, on that record. Really good. Yeah.
3: It's probably a terrible reason. Yeah, that,
1: that, that guitar you know, was probably the reason i was competing for my number one
4: yeah, yeah. it's a rocking guitar man
1: but doesn't, he do,
4: thing, doesn't yeah. he do different tuning do you guys know what tuning he uses oh, i'm sure i could tell. you do don't you man doesn't he use some really odd tuning not uh, like d not open g on one track on everything frip you it's I called think a
6: lot of what he does is just he has like a bunch of effects and he does like a lot of diminished and augmented stuff but i'm
4: I Let don't me know look. What he, is. That's he might have a different tuning. Hold on, I'm going to look this up. Somebody was telling me about this, and I didn't he know.
6: loves. Uh, it's possible, mm. but a lot of what he does, like just thematically, is always he loves something diminished. called
1: new standard tuning (NST).
4: Um, the guitar strings are C, G, D, A, E, and G. That's what he does all the time, or just for a certain track? Um, almost all the time. Oh,
6: interesting. New standard tuning.
4: Yeah, it's weird, huh? The
1: Isn't five it? lowest open strings are each tuned to an interval of a perfect fifth. The two highest oh, strings are a minor third
6: apart. So that goes, if you know anything, um, I don't know. Well, I don't want to bore anybody with music theory, but a perfect fifth is the diminished. So if you're doing like a diminished scale, that's the perfect fifth. So he's tuning the guitar like in a diminished scale.
4: That's hmm. a trip. So if yeah, you that's think it why sounds so
6: like it sounds like that when so he's... fractured?
4: Doing. That's why you think it sounds so fractured?
6: Yeah, so like if you're an A, the the perfect fifth would be E-flat, which is a diminished.
4: Well, I can't wait to do that soon as we're done. <laughs> <laughs> Unless
6: fix. you're Robert Fripp, I would <laughs> say probably don't. Right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of interesting. I, what's it called, uh, Aaron? New Standard Tuning. New Standard Tuning. Oh, trip out. So it's all perfect fifth. Yeah, no, I
4: C-G-D-A-E-G. There it is. All, oh, fifths, all yeah. fifths tuning. All fifths learn.
6: Oh, cool. Yeah. Now I'm reading. Now I got to read about it.
4: Ed grew up with this stuff. His dad was a music teacher, so that this is like, a, this is like a dinner table conversation,
7: right, Ed? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no,
5: not really. What's well, the root in the
7: fifth <laughs> of, the, of an E major chord and the root and the fifth of a D chord, or ma- major oh, right. or minor?
6: Because I'm looking at has the new standard, like it has on the. I'm looking at this right here. It has the circle of fifths. I was looking at that too. Yeah, so it has that, but with new standard circle of fifths. So like that's interesting. <laughs> that's that's fascinating. All well, fifths tuning
1: angry. is typically used for mandolins, cellos, violas and violins. On a guitar right. tuning the strings in fifths would mean that first string would be a high B. Interesting.
4: See guys, this is just the kind of useless shit you get to learn when you're hanging yeah, out when
1: you're a music
6: when
3: you've been a musician <laughs> your whole life. Yeah. That'll Where'd be go? our TikTok. Music theory, yeah. yeah home music theory, one on one.
4: This is why our our wives sprint from the room when the four of us are. Yeah, together. it's certainly always like weird
1: guys Talking at the show, right?
4: <laughs> Sorry, Lisa. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> it's okay. Should
1: we move on to "Scream Like a Baby"?
6: Yeah, let's, yeah. let's yeah. move In away fact, from music theory.
3: Lisa, why don't you talk, why don't you give your impressions? Because I don't I don't think your yeah. impressions were that great. Um,
2: Robert Fripp's not no, on this I, one, I so. didn't love this one. Was that my my last or my next to last?
1: I didn't get your rankings. Oh, it okay. was your last. Yeah, it's Thank my you.
2: last. Um, say. it just felt I don't know. I didn't like the way it felt.
3: Check Facebook uh, Messenger, Aaron.
2: Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of notes here, like Susie, apparently Susie from the Banshees. you know the whole okay, I'm, I'm just same. gonna say this um, one of the things it says is um fascism is another prevalent theme, which is similar to like what was going on with Susie. <laughs> um, could it be pointed at American society, but I feel like that might be something of an American um uh like conceitism because. There was a whole lot more fascism over in Europe, and technically speaking, while it was very fascist feeling, Reaganism was not considered fascism, at least not you know by the political norms
0: right
4: yeah so,
2: so why uh, did it,
4: why did it hit last for you Lisa like what aspect of it did it was it musically you didn't dig it, or
2: the spookiness was actually good for me, but um, I just didn't care for the feel overall hmm. i just i can't really i have a tendency to react to songs and music on an emotional level period so when i hear it it's like something in it didn't jive with me it right. may be that it hit me in a negative way sound wise because yeah. usually I do for have you that it's all AD about lyrics right? sensitivity well yeah that too not really no no, because half the time I don't know what the lyrics are because I can't tell what the, they're saying.
4: Um, I you know, I think the lyrics in this are pretty great. Um yeah. I, I can think, like you were saying, the fascist thing is definitely coming up. And um and I do know what you're saying in terms of fascism being more prevalent. Certainly at that time with with obviously, you know, good old Mussolini and and Hitler and Franco and Spain. I mean, it was it was definitely yeah. Thing there, but people forget in 1939, you know, over 20,000 people gathered together in Madison Square Garden. Some nice little Nazis and fascists, uh, you know, mm-hmm. gathered there, man. And you know, uh, Chicago, Illinois, obviously, has had its uh, and please don't anybody from Chicago or Illinois because I live <laughs> there, I love Chicago and Illinois. But I'm just saying, we have had fascists all over the place, and I do think mm-hmm. this, oh, also- yeah. You know, like in terms of being a teenager and being, it's really unspecified what Sam was. Sam was a gun. That's what he says in it. What does that mean? Is Sam a revolutionary? Was Sam uh, a, a young gay man? Was Sam, you know, a, a, Uncle a... Sam? Could be. I, you know, I thought about that too, Lisa. Like, what, <laughs> what, what, what is he? What's he talking about with Sam there? But one thing we know is Sam gets exterminated at the end of it you know, mm-hmm. and then when he says, I'm trying to be part of society, and he can't get it out. He's going like, S-s-s-s-s-s-s-s.
1: society. society." Yeah.
4: Just, it's great. I mean, it's so yeah, it's I love that part. cool, man, you know, and I never so, knew
1: his last name. We never had any fun.
4: Exactly. Yeah, I, I dug it. I I think it's a super cool song. But um, I, I could see my wife. There's some songs in this album that when they come on, my wife is just like, and she likes Bowie, but This is one that's a little bit too. Yeah.
2: It just, I'm, I'm, I'm really didn't get a chance to actually read the lyrics, Aaron. So I will say that much. (laughs) It may have been lyrically. I might've enjoyed it more, but I have a tendency to have an initial emotional reaction to the music. And that's what most of my, uh, uh, that's what my rankings were today.
3: I had it ranked sixth. Uh I, It kind of reminded me a little bit of a John Cale song called "Gun," and hmm. also humanized the fire, firearm. You know, Susie re- remade that later in their in their career.
4: Well, that's interesting. Bowie was definitely Velvet Underground influenced and stuff. Do you do you think maybe he yeah was well, making yeah, I
3: mean, I, I, like is is Susie and the, the Cure and all those people uh, talk about Bowie being an inspiration? You know, yeah, around um
2: both
3: yeah
4: yeah so and and john paul sartre and and Camus (laughs) for for
3: the cure man you know right all right um well let's go let's move ahead who is not let off with their comments maybe that would be aaron kingdom come
1: kingdom come that um that was my, my second to last ranked song but i do like the the continuity of uh, breaking rocks you're you're throwing rocks in the street and they break and it's no game and uh, now he won't be breaking no rocks mm-hmm. not exactly sure what it means and uh yeah just musically it, it didn't have the frip
3: prison
2: chain gang didn't
3: have the frip for uh, he's incarcerated obviously right i mean at least that's the literal implication yeah, yeah. breaking rocks
0: <laughs>
4: um supposedly Verlaine wanted it to be, it was sort of like a comment on the working man, you know, like working, struggling to work, being promised something that's better that never really materializes. I don't like the song, man. I mean, I, I like I said, I, I have never liked it. I And I did not realize that he didn't write it. So I don't know. I just, it lacks something. It sort of has, don't you guys feel like it has kind of a Motown feeling in the beginning of it too, kind of? Yeah. That boom. Boom. bump. You know, it's got that kind of yeah. uh I don't know. It's it's just
2: none of
1: it I like. Smoky uh, and the miracles kind of thing going.
4: Yeah, it, it, exactly. It's it I don't know. It just was one that doesn't grab me on it.
2: See know that I liked that part I would have liked.
4: <laughs> okay. So you know that's what? what
2: I was raised on.
4: Right. Lisa, I think you and my wife, you guys gotta you guys gotta hang because I mean I you guys have very similar taste on stuff. She would probably feel the same way.
2: We'll have to meet up with you guys if we make it to Chicago anytime soon.
1: He's in L.A. Oh,
2: yeah. I thought you no, were he, in Chicago.
1: No, no, no.
4: I lived. I lived oh. in.
2: Chicago. Oh, okay. lived in Chicago. Well, that and... makes it even better because we can visit Aaron too.
1: There you go. There
3: you go. <laughs> visit so who, all the who's Cobras. Gonna, who's going to uh, put us up for a week? <laughs> An invitation. At least we'll travel Cobra with mansion. our laptops and and broadcast. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like the second half of the album. Even though it's a is it a really strong album overall, I feel like the set there's a clear delineation for me. The first half of the album is yeah, like dynamite. The second half, it' a gradual. I mean, there's good songs on the second side, but this is an example of one on, that makes the second side a little bit lesser.
1: Yeah, I think Teenage Wildlife and It's No Game Number 2 are definitely the highlights of side 2.
4: Agreed. I, I I like I have to I, I love so i love the whole deal except for me.
1: yeah i mean it's so, it, so, so I, many I, of them are close together that you know
4: yeah exactly i say what about because you're young Take it away. Uh, I loved it. I they said, you know, to me, it's like this, it's a beautiful song. I mean, uh it's sort of like the world weary David Bowie giving advice to young lovers. And, you know, isn't that nice that you're having this, but it's gonna get ugly fast. (laughs) You know, it's a guy that's just coming off of a divorce and a messy um custody battle to get his son. And um, and then Grumpy uh Pete Townsend showed up and (laughs) <laughs> but i think it's a beautiful song i love it i i i really you know and i love that line uh a million dreams a million scars uh, it's 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 still not jaded but it's definitely worldly wise and and i appreciate that about it so yeah. i dug it. what do you guys think
3: well you know uh, bowie has this reputation of being like the biggest party animal with you know do any drug sleep with anybody you know, and it, it, he's got this reputation, but I've read Stop
2: that from time. his
3: ex-wife Angela and, and other women that he was a great father, that he was like a very patient father, really
0: mm-hmm.
3: devoted time to him to his to his kids, and that he was. And so that's what I thought of mostly when I heard when I heard this one. Um, I didn't know, you know, I knew. T- Pete Townsend played on it. I didn't know he had such a bad attitude about it. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. you know? A couple of things,
4: yeah. And they are yeah. like, oh, "Pete, sorry to wake you up." You
3: know, but he's been known. Yeah, you're right. He's been known to be kind of cantankerous, irascible. You know? Yeah,
4: irascible and cantankerous. Look at those two good ones. <laughs> yeah, and, for sure.
3: and, uh, and uh, an uh, avid consumer of child porn, if I remember. Oh, right. I hope
4: that's not true. Do you think it
2: is? I hope not. Of-
3: I hope not. I remember that at the time, though. It, he said that he was part of an investigative team or something yeah i
1: I don't think so
4: Because i'm a huge fan that would be heartbreaking i love the
1: hoop but yeah yeah.
4: i know he's gotten his face uh beat in a few times by roger daltrey he's like half his height but i would not mess with roger daltrey (laughs) he's like
3: (laughs) yeah roger uh, daltrey was like a uh a, uh, what would you call that in England? It's like he got going to a, go a oh, barn, clear out a barn. and his dad was like a wrestler or something or boxer, and he was just like he, he had a history of fighting, didn't he? Tony's a big pugilist.
2: There's a word for
3: Fugilist. There's another one Yeah, there's another word. Pugilist. We've
2: been known to read a book or two.
3: <laughs> I think the guy in england's Not called bru- they call him a bruiser.
0: A
6: bruiser. A bruiser? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> Tony's got some good news stories.
3: He's yeah. definitely yeah. into the. Hill. <laughs>
6: yeah great band great songwriters
3: yeah, yeah. well so that kind of gets us down to the last song on the album
2: it's no game number it's 2 been
3: a fun ride but we're finally to the last stop big heads and drums full speed and
0: taken, and it's no game
3: Sounds a lot like the first stop. Except you're less screaming. screaming. Like the difference yes. yeah.
2: Which is why I got my number one.
1: Yeah.
3: Oh.
2: So
1: Yeah, you had you had num- it's no game number two, number one, and it's no game number one, number two.
3: <laughs> Perfect. There you go. But Great. I've read this and I agree with it. Don't don't you think that maybe the original the the uh, it's a game number one is more discontented, more plaintive, more uh dark you know darker in general, whereas it's no game number two seems to be more contented, more resigned to f- to his fate
2: accepting not yeah. resigned accepting he's
1: just hes just tired or yeah
2: yeah well there you are
1: <laughs> more
4: it's a more, it's a, it's a more pensive look <laughs> at, at the same subject it seems more pensive though yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: I agree,
1: like the time of the album is past, and now he's. Still angry, but not as screaming angry
3: as he was in the beginning. Exactly. <laughs> the material. So, yeah, there it is. There it is. Scary monsters, super creeps.
1: Mm-hmm. All there right, we- are we ready to hear uh, what came out? How we ranked them?
4: Yeah, yeah. let's get let's get that banger. Let's we ended
1: what- up with a tie for the banger, but um, yeah, <laughs> we have a tie, so oh. we might have to have the other three weigh oh. in on which one's going to win. Oh,
4: oh, good okay. tiebreaker! Here we go. What is it? um ashes
1: to ashes, and it's no game number one.
5: Hmm. Wow. What are you guys, how are you I'm breaking at, that? I'm time? going to ashes to ashes. Ashes to ashes, definitely. All right, ashes to ashes.
2: Well, well, that that their song right there is a real banger.
5: It's, yeah. a banger.
7: it's a banger. It's a banger.
2: It's a banger. <laughs>
1: it's Here unanimous it yeah, and it's right. alphabetically yeah. first so it's it's in the right order
3: <laughs> yeah all right and dean had ashes, yeah. to ashes is number one so we know mm-hmm. it
1: is, yeah. uh, so did you too. phil didn't you
2: yeah yeah
1: so it's um ashes to ashes one it's no game number one two scary monsters and super creeps three fashion number four we're almost going in the album order up the hill backwards number five it's no game number two number six teenage wildlife seven because you're young eight scream like a baby nine and kingdom come ten by
3: by a lot yes <laughs> yes uh, <Bury> exactly that. <laughs> your that's that's the one we would like if you know yeah if you kick it off your mixtape that would be the one you we, were, take we were gonna
1: we were gonna add that as a category which song would you, if you had to get rid of a song which one would it be but then that's the really first
2: the, the lowest up. ranked song i guess yeah. The the first one or two we did ask that question and then it just
3: well then it got it to be like, fell away. Why are we wasting time talking about the worst song on the album? Let's talk about the best <laughs> yeah. song the
1: or shitting on the album in some way. Yeah.
3: yeah. If you I mean,
2: had to remove one song, which one would it be?
1: There you go.
2: It was the question.
4: Mm-hmm. Got to be absolutely
3: uh-huh. no doubt. Right. No, so we well, down, down here. Do we? Uh, I'm sorry, uh Dean. Go ahead
4: so we've enjoyed being here with you guys when you yeah. guys come out we'd love to love to see you we've gotten a chance to see Aaron a couple times it's been really good to yeah. have her and, uh to see you
1: guys out again
4: yeah, yeah we got we got a busy October coming up we're doing a um a benefit for Alzheimer's on Thursday October uh-huh. um it's a car show and then we're doing another car show it's another charity event um saturday october 14th in the morning at 9 a.m and we're double dipping we're going to be at the uh, Thunderfest in covina for another car show this time there's no uh there's no charity involved with that just just rocking out and then uh we're going to be in las vegas uh november 1st we're playing that that's that's at
1: the sphere right
4: uh yeah well we're going to be at the SEMA convention which is actually pretty it's a pretty big thing and we're going to uh we're playing, but we're going to be the uh, the Orleans. So we're doing the thing for a company oh. called Picker. So, so we're keeping busy, and uh, we're going to be out there. So you know, if anybody's around Southern California, so
1: Bono's uh, hold well, on the sphere is safe for now.
2: It's safe. We definitely, we definitely can't travel this year, but maybe for the third annual Smoking Cobras album review <laughs> yeah,
7: like... <laughs> 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 next year. Maybe we year? can do it in person. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
6: Maybe we yeah, can do some shows out in your neck of the woods.
2: Yeah, be awesome. Yeah. Right for my birthday. Yeah, we'd love to see you. You're,
3: you're yeah. some of our favorite guests. Dan. Yes, so,
2: absolutely. We don't want to wear
3: out our welcome yeah. or wear out yeah. our uh, uh, goodwill. Goodwill, not but we love, love you guys. Yeah, yeah. It's social, Twitter.
2: Yeah. Uh huh. Pod.
3: Instagram.
2: Yeah. Uh huh. Pod. Facebook. Yeah. Uh huh. Pod. So let us know. Hit us back. Have a great week.